Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to Murph's Boston Sports Talk. This is episode number 112, and I hope you are enjoying your Friday. Hope you had a fantastic week, but the weekend is finally here. The weekend is upon us, and we have a lot to discuss in terms of the Patriots, although it is their bye week coming up. We do have some football chatter to discuss. Bruins and Celtics, a little catching up there because we haven't talked about them in a week or so. But like I said, hopefully you're having a fantastic day. You had a fantastic week, and you will have a fantastic weekend. I know I will have a fantastic weekend. And before we get into the nitty-gritty of this episode, I do have a couple shop announcements that I do want to briefly discuss just to keep you guys updated. Number one, the shop today on Friday is closing at 6 p.m., so shop hours are 12 to 6 instead of the normal 12 to 8. That is updated on like Google Business. I posted it numerous times on social media. 12 to 6 p.m. today here at the shop, not 12 to 8. Number two, the shop will be closed both Saturday and Sunday this weekend, tomorrow and Sunday. I am going to Portland with Kim. It is my birthday on Sunday, and there's a card show up there on tomorrow, actually. So we're going to travel up there, enjoy the little weekend. The shop being closed tomorrow and Sunday is also noted on the Google business and also on social media, but I figured I would let you guys know this way as well, just so I can cover all my bases and make sure every bit of the population here at Murph's Cardtown and Sports Shop and Murph's Boston Sports Talk are all on the same page. So 12 to 6 today, closed Saturday, 12-11. And then closed Sunday, 12-12. I'm very excited. I hate closing the shop, but it is my birthday on Sunday, and I'm very, very excited. I'm not going to say how old I'm turning. It's just oh, another year in the books. Another, another year in the books, man. It is what it is. But let's let's not drag it out any longer. Just another year. Everyone goes through it every year, so it is what it is. Patriots beat the Bills Monday night on December 6th, 14-10 in a blowout of a game in an incredible shootout between two fantastic throwers of the ball. It was an absolute shootout. Mac Jones lighting it up. Josh Allen lighting it up. The scoreboard was lit up. Oh, it was fantastic. Just kidding, guys. You guys know I'm kidding. It was actually a really good game, though, to watch. I mean, I was nervous through a lot of it. And Patriots were able to score their first touchdown on a Damian Harris handoff, and he just went right to the end zone, right? That could have happened at any moment for the Bills. 
any moment. Now, I always like to refer to Super Bowl 53 here and there for when like the Patriots or a team is in control. Because although that game was 3-0 for the longest time, I still felt the Patriots were in control of that game through their defense. Their offense was able to move the ball, but they just weren't able to finish and capitalize. But I still felt the Patriots were in control of that game. This game against the Bills on Monday night, I did not feel we were in control at all. Like, we got our first touchdown because Damian Harris was able to break one for 67 yards, almost 70 yards, whatever the hell it was. That easily could have happened to the Bills. I mean, the Bills were able to get a nice little big play, turned into a touchdown. It was like a 15-yard touchdown to Gabe Davis, I believe. I don't I don't know. I mean, the just-run-the-ball strategy did work because, obviously, you know, you end up winning the game. You got to look at it in hindsight, though. What if it didn't work? What if the Bills ended up winning that game? Well, then Bill looks like a moron for not passing the ball and trusting his star rookie quarterback much more. Like, the game plan of running the ball, I don't mind it, but there was a ton of times where it's like, you know, third and 11, like, you got to pass the ball. You got to pass the ball here to pick up the first down or at least try to get a big play. I'm not against the run-heavy scheme that we had. I'm not against it. But like I said, if this did not work and the Patriots ended up losing, people are going to be calling for Bill Belichick's head. They're going to be calling him dumbest coach. They're going to be saying that he shouldn't be coaching no more. They're going to be saying that they should have trusted Mac Jones to throw the ball more. But since they won that game, they're praising Bill Belichick. Oh, he's the greatest coach of all time. Oh, he knows how to beat the Bills. Oh, everyone should be looking up to Bill Belichick on how to deviate a game plan and go out and execute and win. And that, all that's great, and I, I love it, obviously, because I'm a Patriots fan, and you know Belichick's the coach of the Patriots, and we ended up winning on Monday. But like I said, what if we lost that game? What would the headlines be? Rookie of the Year candidate Mac Jones only throws for three attempts in the Patriots I don't know 17 to 14 loss against the Buffalo Bills why didn't Bill Belichick trust Mac Jones to throw the ball more why did Bill Belichick only run the ball like I understand there was 30 to 50 mile an hour wins and it was not easy to throw the ball it was not easy I mean Josh Allen one of the hardest throwers of a football we have in this game maybe the hardest thrower of the football that we have in this game was throwing like a little 10 yard curl route to Stefan Diggs cocked back slinged it and I believe it was the one that JC Jackson broke up on the sideline near the Bills bench I believe I'm not too sure and that ball moved like two three yards away from Stefan Diggs where if it didn't move at all Jackson might have been able to pick it off but with that wind it like tailed away and Jackson was able to get a hand out there. And if Jackson wasn't there, Diggs probably wasn't going to catch that ball. And Allen can throw the ball. He can throw it sharp and on a rope. And that's how much the wind was controlling the ball. Mac Jones has nowhere near that kind of arm strength. And I'm not saying I wanted Mac Jones to go out there and throw the ball 40, 50 times. I'm just saying, there wasn't times during the game when you thought the Patriots should be passing the ball. Countless, countless Second and longs, third and longs, 
third and 12, second and 10. It's like, oh, let's throw the ball here. I mean, we've run the ball enough. Like, you know, play action is going to be electric here. The play action is really going to pop off. And I've said, Mac, I said on, uh, on Monday's episode that Mac Jones is one of the most lethal quarterbacks when it comes to play action. You run the ball 50 times or however many times that you did, and you throw in one play action, they're not going to say you got to throw a deep ball on it. But it chances are there was going to be a big play because as the game progressed, you could see the Bills putting six, seven, eight, nine guys in the box because they knew you were going to run the ball. And the funny thing is they knew you were going to run the ball with nine guys in the box, and they still couldn't stop it. Now, there was times when they blew up the play. Okay, I'll give them that. There was times when they, you know, tackle Harris, Stevenson, Bolton, whoever for a loss. There were times. But more often than not, they were not able to stop the run game. Bill Belichick could have said, hey, we're going to run the ball 40 times, and you're not going to stop it. And it would have worked. By the second quarter, the second quarter, you could probably tell that it was going to be a run-heavy game. First quarter, I get it. You want to feel it out, see what the wind is like. I think Mac Jones threw that his one pass for the longest time in the first quarter, and it, it didn't look good. John Smith made a very acrobatic catch. You know that was a fantastic grab. But like, once the second quarter came around, and you realize like, hey, this team is just running the ball. Like, I'm not saying engage eight or you know send the house, but. Nine guys in the box and you still couldn't stop the run. That's an indictment on the Bills. And I sat here on Monday and I said, who needs this win more, the Bills or the Patriots? And I said the Bills because of playoff implications, seeding, tiebreakers, all that good stuff. And they got the loss. Let me look up the wild card. I should have had it pulled up and ready to rock. Come on, let's load. And right now the Bills are in seventh. They are 7th in the AFC. 7th. They are one and a half games behind the Patriots, so if they beat the Buccaneers and the Patriots lose and then the Bills beat us next week, things will flip. But hopefully, hopefully, that doesn't happen. Hopefully that doesn't happen. I will run through the scores of week. Oh, I, I will give my prediction for week 14 in just a few moments. But I do want to mention that it is that game was massive for playoff implications. Not only for the Patriots, but for the Titans, for the Ravens, for the Chiefs, and obviously the Bills. And in, in one way, shape, or form, you could also say it for the, the Dolphins as well. I mean, they're on an incredible four, five game winning streak, I believe. Five game winning streak. And, you know, they're six and seven. Bills are seven and five. Things could flip on its head right there. They're one and a half games up too, right? Yeah, because the Dolphins are on their bye week this week as well. So that Monday night game was massive for a lot of reasons, not just for the Patriots, not just for the Bills, but the whole AFC, because if the Patriots lost, the Ravens would have been number one, the Patriots would have been number two. If the, if the Patriots lost and the Bills won, 
then there would only be one game separating the two of them. Or half a game, I should say, because of the bye week. And then, therefore, the chances the Dolphins get in would shrink. But, wow, it is nuts. But let, let, let's jump into the scores. Let's jump into the scores around. Uh, give my predictions, I should say. Excuse me. I'm looking at the Vikings and Steelers score from last night, and I'm thinking score, score, score. But the Vikings beat the Steelers 36-28 last night in Minnesota. I didn't give a prediction on this, but I was kind of leaning the Vikings. I know the Steelers have been kind of playing with that underdog mentality, and the Vikings have been coming on as of late. They're super hot right now. I wish I started Dalvin Cook because he got 30-some points in fantasy, but at least Najee Harris walked away with like 23, 24 points. So not a total, total collapse. But damn, uh, Dalvin Cook looked really good, dislocating his shoulder, what, 11, 12, 13 days ago? And he's out there getting two touchdowns. Holy smokes, what what a warrior. All right, we have a nice full slate of games on Sunday, December 12th, my birthday. And it's going to be super fun to watch a bunch of these games because there's a bunch of games that are critical for playoff implications and playoff seeding. As we are winding down the last four weeks of the season, we got 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, last five weeks, excuse me. Saints, Jets, that... Saints should win, but they've been playing like dog shit, so I, I, I can't really tell you. I'm going to go Saints because I feel like they, they should win. <laughs> Falcons, Panthers, I don't really care. I'm going to go Falcons. Seahawks, Texans. Seahawks should blow that team out, but they're also playing like dog. The first three games we're talking about are just abysmal. We'll go Seahawks, sure. Raiders, Chiefs. Here we go. Let's get to a good game. Raiders, Chiefs. Chiefs need a win to hold on to the AFC West. Raiders are reeling for a playoff spot. They are absolutely reeling. They are now 6-6. Six and six. They are the, currently the ninth seed in the conference. Do I see them beating the Chiefs? Yes, they can. I'm still picking the Chiefs to win. But if the Raiders do win, that is a massive win. It could really shake things up. Ravens-Browns, big-time game right there for the AFC North. For playoff implications, Browns, they're reeling. They're 6-6. Six and six. They need a dub so bad, and I wouldn't mind them getting it because it would give the Patriots a little bit of breathing room. You know, God forbid anything was to happen in terms of seeding. Peg down the Ravens a little bit. I'm going Browns. Cowboys, Washington. Now, at the beginning of the season, week one, we were thinking, like, this is going to be a really great game. Then the football team sucks for a bit. But now they're on like a four-game winning streak. Four or five-game winning streak themselves. Now this game has, you know, taken a whole new meaning. This could be something to really keep your eye on because the Cowboys, they're the number four seed, eight and four. They're first in the NFC West. Uh, East, excuse me. And Washington is six and six, second in the NFC East. But they're the sixth seed, like I mentioned. And they're currently 6-6. Six and six. So they're only two games behind the Cowboys. They beat the Cowboys this game. They go to one game behind them. And then, hey, you never know. Crazy things have happened in the NFL. So Cowboys are streaky right now. Football team, they're crazy hot. This is home for them. I really want to lean Washington. I don't know if they'll be able to get the job done. But 
Uh, that's a tight one. That's a tough one. I can see I can see both teams winning. I'm gonna go Washington on this one. I I want to be frisky. I'm gonna go Washington. Jaguars Titans. I could care less. Titans should win, but I kind of want the Jaguars to win just to kind of knock the Titans a little bit lower. Lions Broncos. Uh, Lions just got their first win last week. That's fantastic. Do they go on a winning streak here and beat the Broncos, who had a playoff shot? Probably don't anymore. I'm going to go Lions. I am picking the Detroit Lions to win this ballgame. I smell a winning streak. I do. I smell it. I don't think they'll do it, but I'm smelling one, and I want them to do it. Giants, Chargers, I'm going to go Chargers here. Big game for Los Angeles. They need to get this dub, especially where it's at home. Here's a good one right here. 49ers visiting the Cincinnati Bengals. That game has a lot of juice on the line. 7-5 and five Cincinnati, 6-6 six and six San Francisco. Really tough game for both teams. Most important game for both teams. Ravens lose, Bengals win. I don't know where the tiebreakers lie for them. Well, for both teams, I should say. But Bengals could flip the script if they win. Uh, San Francisco has a lot of hurdles to climb if they were to win um, with the Rams ahead of them and then also the Cardinals ahead of them. This one's a juicy one right here, I think. This might be. I think the Bills, Buccaneers. Actually, no, hold on. I'll get I'll I'll get to the the other games in a second, but this is a sneaky not game of the week, but a sneaky big game, sneaky sneaky big game, and I'm gonna go Cincinnati because they're home. I like the way that they're playing. Joe Mixon has really established himself as a lead back after a bunch of question marks going into the season. San Francisco has a great defense, but can their offense keep pace? And will that Cincinnati Bengals defense show up? I don't know, but I like that game a lot. Bills. Buccaneers in Tampa. Tom Brady has torched and defeated the Bills more times than I can count. Hopefully, hopefully he does it here in this game and just knock the Bills down even lower because screw Buffalo. Uh, I'm picking the Buccaneers in this game, not just for you know AFC East implications, but I just believe Tampa Bay is the much better team. Bears, Packers, Sunday Night Football. Beginning of the season is going to be a great game, and it still has a little bit of juice to it, although the Bears are well out of the playoff picture. But I still think that it could be a sneaky game because that Bears defense is kind of good, and they're only like you know, two games out of the playoffs, if you believe it or not. I'm going to go Packers. I think there's no way the Packers lose this game, especially at Lambeau Field. Rams visit the Arizona Cardinals for Monday night football this is the game of the week right here there's a bunch of good games there's a bunch of good games on this week's slate raiders chiefs ravens browns cowboys washington 49ers bengals bills bucks rams cardinals oh i'm so happy this is on monday night this is the game of the week this could be a massive game in terms of the nfc implications now, if the Rams win, they're not going to take over first. They're not going to be the number one seed. But the Cardinals could drop down a peg if they do lose. Packers could vault up. Buccaneers could take a step up. 
depending on if the Cowboys win. Actually, no, neither way because they already have four losses. I don't know. Rams have been sucking lately. Cardinals are still very good. I I want to lean Chargers because they really need this game. But the Cardinals are so good. I know come playoff time, they're going to burn out and they're going to lose in like the first round. Or they get the divisional if they have the bye week. I really, really, really like the Rams here. But I also like the card. Oh, this is so tough. Oh, I don't know who to pick. Everybody, everybody. Reach out to me on social media, at Town. And if you're watching this on YouTube, comment down below. Who do you want to win this game? The Los Angeles Rams or the Arizona Cardinals? This is a tough one. I think on paper... Oh, man, both teams are good roster-wise. Cardinals are home, so there's a little advantage right there. Cardinals are hot. Rams are kind of cold. Everything weighs out in terms of favoring the Cardinals. So I'm going to be I'm going to be risky frisky here and I'm going to go Rams. I did it. I went Rams. What did you go with? Did you uh tweet at me at Murph's Car Town? Did you comment down the uh, comment section if you're listening to this on YouTube? And did you did you tell me your prediction? Rams or Cardinals? If you haven't done so already, let me know. For any of the games, really, but just really for the Rams and Cardinals. That is a dynamite game. That is an absolute dynamite game. All right, and let me just do a quick recap. As always, Saints over the Jets, Falcons over the Panthers, Seahawks over the Texans, Chiefs over the Raiders, Browns over the Ravens, football team over Dallas, the Titans over the Jaguars, the Lions, the Detroit Lions over the Denver Broncos. I think this is the first time I'm picking the uh, Lions all year. I may have picked them earlier when they were like 0-2, 0-3 or whatever, but I'm picking the Detroit Lions for what I know of the first time all year. Uh, Los Angeles Chargers over the Giants, the Bengals over the 49ers, Buccaneers and Brady dismantling the Buffalo Bills. Packers over Bears, and the Rams over the Cardinals. Oh, it's going to be a good week. It is going to be a good week of football. I guarantee you that. Let's dive into some Bruins hockey. Now, I don't want to nitpick, you know, scores and all that stuff. They did win last night. They went 3-2, to two, right? Yeah, they won 3-2 to two over Edmonton. And honestly, Bruins aren't doing bad. They aren't doing bad. There are 23 games played. Like I said, 20 to 25. And I'm giving them to the end of the road trip. They're a little West Coast. Let me pull up the Bruins' schedule here. I have the wild card standings, but I don't have the schedule in front of me. Let's see. The road trip ends. Okay, no, it was the Celtics that I, I gave to the end of the road trip. Yeah, Celtics I gave to the end of the road trip, which I will talk about in a little bit. But right now. Bruins are third in the wildcard race, and they're fifth in the Atlantic division. Basically what that means is in the Atlantic and the Metropolitan divisions, the top three teams will advance, and two teams from whichever division will get in as a wildcard. Now that's just for the Eastern Conference. The same thing for the Western Conference. Three e Top three teams from the Central and the Pacific division will go in, and then two wildcard teams will go in as well. 
Arizona change their logo? I can't tell if Arizona changed their logo or not. It looks different. No, I don't want to buy a shirt. Uh, I don't think so. It just looks different. Okay, anyways. Anyways, get, let's get back on track here. So, in front of them in the division, Florida Panthers, Tampa Bay Lightning, Toronto Maple Leafs, and the Detroit Red Wings. Now, Toronto, Tampa, and Florida all have 38 points. They all have 38 points. The Detroit Red Wings have 29 points. And you currently sit at 28 with 13 wins and two overtime losses. So, uh, 28 points. Bruins have a good shot to get in. I mean, they win one game in regulation. Well, it doesn't matter. They'll get two points. Then they can jump over Pittsburgh and Detroit. The thing that I like about the Bruins right now, with all things considered, Florida has 25 games played. Tampa has 26. Toronto has 28. Detroit has 27. And you have 23 games played. How about that? And honestly, that's not even the lowest total in the NHL. 22 by the New York Islanders, who are 6-11-5, who friggin' beat you last year, and they suck this year. But they've played 22 games. But 23 games is the lowest amount. Well, 22, but you have 23, so I guess the second lowest amount of total games played. And I've done this kind of math before a few weeks ago where the Panthers, Lightning, and Maple Leafs are 25, 6, and 28 games played. You're at 23. So call it, just call it a four-game played difference, right? Well, I guess you should call it a five because Toronto has the most games played is at 28. You have 23, so call it five. You win three of those games. You gain six additional points. 28 plus six is 34, and you're still down by four points to that bunch. Now, if you win, you know, all five of those games, well, then you'll get the extra 10 points and you'll vault up. It's all about capitalizing and seizing the games in regulation. And if you can't do it in regulation, then at least get the overtime point. Florida has four overtime losses. Tampa has four. Detroit has two. Detroit has three. You have two. So, hey, if you're going to lose, at least lose in overtime or in shootout just so you can get a damn point. Just so you can get a point out of it. Because I've mentioned this a thousand times, it's all about the points in hockey. It's all about the points in hockey. So now that we're 23 games in, we're right on the cusp of 25. Right on the cusp. And when we talk on Monday, I will probably give my full-fledged opinion. Because the Bruins play tomorrow at 10 p.m. in Calgary. And then they play home on Tuesday to the Golden Knights. That will be their 25th game of the season. So I will kind of save my full-fledged opinion about the Bruins and their full season, I guess, until next episode on Monday. But at 23 games, they're doing really good, but they're still a little shy of taking that giant playoff Stanley Cup jump. They are. Whether it's a player, players, or they just need to go on a hot streak. They're 5-3-2 in their last 10 games, which I'll take. But they do need to get some momentum going. They do. I am not totally concerned. I'm not totally concerned. But the Penguins could go off at any second. Detroit could be a sneaky good right now. Well, the Maple Leafs going to be able to maintain this level, high level of play? Maybe. 
But the big difference between those top three teams in the Atlantic and you is the goal differential. Florida has scored 25 goals more than they've allowed. Tampa has scored 19 goals more than they've allowed. And Toronto, Tampa with 19, Toronto with 17. You have only scored five more goals than you've allowed. So all these teams ahead of you, those three teams ahead of you, Florida, 96 goals, 71 allowed. Tampa, 89 goals, 70 allowed. Toronto, 88 goals, 71 allowed. Boston, 65 goals, 60 allowed. That's the biggest difference right now between you and them. And I think that difference right there is what's holding the Bruins back from taking that giant step to be a playoff, a legitimate playoff contender and a Stanley Cup hopeful. Now, the Detroit Red Wings, who are in front of you by one point, they've scored 75 goals, but they've given up 89. Their goal differential is minus 14. Something like that is really going to take an impact sooner than later because if you're able to take that next step up and play like a Stanley Cup contender, then I think a team who, in the Red Wings' case, is not a Stanley Cup contender, maybe not this year, maybe next year, the year after, I think that minus 14 goal differential is really going to make an impact and it's really going to drop them down in the standings. Not just the Atlantic, but the wild card too, where they're maybe not even irrelevant. Where they're maybe irrelevant. 65 goals in 23 games. Where you look at the Florida Panthers, 25 games in, and they've scored 96. That's the biggest difference right now from you taking that next step to be a Stanley Cup contender is the goal differential. Now, do you have to go out and get a goal scorer? I don't know. Do you have the players on your team right now to be a Stanley Cup contender and you just need them to click and actually execute and play better? Maybe. I do think the Bruins are a couple of moves away. They are a couple of players away. But I think they have the mold to be a really good playoff team. I'm not going to say Stanley Cup because I don't think they're there yet. But obviously, when some moves are getting made and maybe the Bruins can go on a nice little winning streak, win 9 out of 10 games, then we'll reevaluate. That's going to be my Bruins segment. Like I mentioned, they are playing tonight in Calgary at 10 p.m. our time. So 7 p.m. their time. And then they welcome home the Golden Knights on Tuesday the 14th when they play again. 7 p.m. puck drop. But let's talk about the Celtics. Let's talk about the Celtics here. Celtics on Tuesday lost to the Lakers 117-102. Then on Wednesday, they lost 114-111 to the Clippers. And they play the Suns today in Phoenix. On their West Coast road trip right now, they are currently 2-2. Two two. Uh, actually, 1-3, excuse me. They lost to the Jazz, beat the Blazers, and lost to both L.A. teams, the Lakers and the Clippers. But with the Suns coming up and the way they've been playing, I think it's pretty safe to assume that's going to be a loss. I'll be very surprised if they do win with the way that the Celtics are playing and then the way that the Suns are playing. And to make it any better, on Monday you welcome home the Bucks, and then on Friday, after a few days off, you welcome home the Warriors. It's tough right now. It's tough looking at the Celtics. They're 13 and 13 right now. Okay, it's not the end of the world. 
And I said I'm going to give them to the end of the road trip, which I still will. I am still going to give them to the end of the road trip. But this two-game losing streak, more than likely going to be three, potentially four, maybe five. If they lose tonight and then to the Bucks and to the Warriors, it's over. It is over. I don't want to play the game where it's like, oh, yeah, the Celtics will lose, you know, those three games. But, hey, if they can just go out 13 out of 15, they're going to be right back into it. What's showing you? What's telling you? How can you tell that the Celtics could do that? I sat here and said that they need to win all these games in November because December is going to be tough. It's going to be brutal. It's going to show you who the Celtics are. And we're getting that. We are getting a full pledge of what the Celtics are. And they're not good. They got some nice players. They have some good players. But they're not there. Other teams are better. Other teams are better. And what do you need to do? You need to get another superstar. Another top draft pick. Do you need to get some veterans? Seems like you brought in veterans. Schroeder, Horford. What is it? Do you need another top draft pick in the draft? Do you need another top five draft pick in order to be good? Do you need to go out and trade for a superstar? John Wall, Damian Lillard, Demonis Sabonis. I, I'm hearing his names out there now. Not that he's a superstar, but he's a really good Really good star. He's an all-star. What is it with this team? Why are the Hornets better? Why are the 76ers, why are the Cavaliers and the Wizards all better than you? I can understand the Nets. I can understand the Bulls. I can understand the Bucks. I can understand the Heat. I can kind of understand the Hawks to a degree. But why are all those teams better than you? Is it because of star power? Is it because of years of tanking and being miserable? And the Celtics really didn't do that. They sucked for one year. They drafted Marcus Smart. And they had all those other draft picks because of the Brooklyn Nets trade. And the Brooklyn Nets are closer to winning championship than you are. Although they went out and bought all the, their players. And you didn't. To a degree. Because you brought in Horford. You brought in Hayward. You traded for Kyrie. So to a degree. But why can't you, the Celtics, who were in the Eastern Conference Finals three out of the four seasons from like 17 to 20, why can't you take that next step? What is holding you back? You should be one of those teams. A, you should be a top six team in the Eastern Conference. And you're not far from it. I mean, the Cavaliers are 14 and 12, and you're 13 and 13, so you're not that far from it. I mean, I could wake up Tuesday morning and they could be the number six seed. That's just how crazy it could be. Doubt it, but it's just how it could be. If the Celtics lose these next three games, it's over for the season, or at least I want it to be over. The Celtics need to reevaluate their team, they need to look deep at their roster. Is Neesmith cutting it out? Is Langford cutting it out? Do we need to split up Tatum and Brown? I don't think so. I don't want them to. 
but it's something that they may have to consider. December 15th, when players that were signed in the offseason can be officially be traded. So trading season starts on the 15th. I think they need to make a massive move. I think they should make a move and try to ride the wave. Who do they even bring in, though? I don't want to dive into it right now because I said I'm going to give them to the end of the road trip. And that's not until... When, 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 is, when is that game? Tonight? Tonight, right? Today, yeah, tonight. So I'm not going to go all the way there because if they win and beat, beat Phoenix in Phoenix, that is a massive win. That is an absolute massive win because the Suns are 20-4. and four. They're 11-2 uh, and two at home. So that would be a huge, huge win if they can do that. And I think they can. Actually, I don't. I, I want to believe and I want to think that I think they can. Wait, I want to think that I think they can. But I know they can't. They're just outmatched in every possible way. Their leadership is better. Their veteran experience is better. They have better scoring threats. Their defense is better. And it obviously seems like their coaching is better. I've sat here and clamored. Basically, this whole podcast existence, almost a year now. Hey, shout out, one year. Almost. Murph's Boston Sports Talk. But that the Celtics need a Chris Paul type, type, type player. I'm not saying Chris Paul. I would love Chris Paul. Don't get me wrong. They need that kind of a player. A point guard, a pass-first point guard who can shoot and who can score, maybe not take over games like he used to be able to, who can play great defense, even to this day, and who has veteran leadership. Or it's an accumulation of that, right? I mean, you may not may not find a defense, you know, a great defensive player from a veteran anymore. But you can still find leadership. You can still find um, IQ. You can still find a selfless mentality from a veteran player. And Horford's nice, don't get me wrong. Schroeder's nice, don't get me wrong. I don't know. We're still missing a piece. And is that piece a superstar at that point? Well, you would like to think that Brown and Tatum are it. But clearly, for the past couple of seasons, they are not it. At least not by themselves. Now, I know Tatum and Brown haven't been on the court at the same time all too much together this season. So it's kind of hard to judge and justify whether they can play together or not. That's kind of why bringing in a third player, a third star, would be extremely beneficial. Like Bradley Beal. He's been linked to the Celtics numerous times because of his relationship with Jason Tatum. What's it going to take to bring in Bradley Beal? Draft picks? Um, obviously, you have to be a salary dump, so you're going to probably have to trade Horford. But now you're taking a veteran, experience, veteran player out of the equation. Do you trade Josh Richardson? Dennis Schroeder? Marcus Smart, what's it going to cost? Rob Williams, I don't think you should trade Rob Williams. And I don't want to trade both Neesmith and Langford. I kind of like Langford a little bit better. But one Langford or Neesmith, uh, Smart, Horford to make the money work, and then some draft picks, obviously. Does that even get you in the door to acquire Bradley Beal without having to trade Jalen Brown? Does that even get you hey, – that are you even able to leave a voicemail? With that offer. 
I don't know. All I know is the Celtics are struggling. They're seven and nine on the road. They're five and five in their last ten on a two-game losing streak, and I honestly see that losing streak extend to five games. Where they lost to the Suns today, or tonight, I should say, the Warriors on Monday, and then the Bucks on Friday. No, the Bucks on Monday and the Warriors on Friday. I want to be optimistic. I really do. I've sat here and said 20 or 25 games. We're now at 26. And I did say I will give them to the end of the road trip, which will be their 27th game. And then come on Monday, either going to have a lot of good things to say about the Celtics or a lot of bad things to say about the Celtics. So expect a big rant about the Celtics one way or the other on Monday. But that's honestly all I have today. There's no Patriots game on Sunday for me to talk about to break down. So come on Monday. There's going to be no game for me to break down then. We're going to talk NFL. We're going to maybe take a look at the remainder of the Patriots season and kind of play some what-ifs and some scenarios as we exit the bye week. But since we're in the bye week, we don't have a lot of Patriots chatter to talk about, so this is another fairly short episode. But, hey, you know what? That's okay. There's there's times when you need a long episode, then there's times where you need a short episode. I don't want to sit here for another you know, 10, 20 minutes and just talk about nonsense. Baseball is in a lockout right now, so there's nothing really to talk about baseball. I talked about the Patriots and the Bills game, NFL, Bruins, and Celtics. So I guess that's going to wrap it up for today's episode. And with that being said, I do hope you enjoyed today's episode. I really appreciate you downloading, listening, and enjoying episode number 112 of Murph's Boston Sports Talk and all the other episodes that you've downloaded, listened, and enjoyed as well. If you're listening to this on YouTube, I would greatly appreciate if you smash that thumbs up button if you enjoyed today's episode. Comment anything that you have in the comment section below. Patriot Bills, NFL Chatter, Bruins, or Celtics Chatter. Anything you want to talk about, leave those in the comment section below. And then also, please consider subscribing to the channel if you have not done so already, as I would greatly appreciate it. As I am on my way to 100 subscribers, and I'm super excited for that. If you're listening to this on audio-only platforms, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, anywhere that you can listen to podcasts, you can find Murph's Boston Sports Talk. And like I said, thank you so much for downloading, listening, and enjoying. But that's going to wrap it up for today. I cannot wait to come back here on Monday and talk about the weekend in terms of sports, Bruins, Celtics, NFL, and then as we look ahead towards the Patriots rest of the season. But that's going to wrap it up. Thank you so much, and I will catch you in the next one. But between now and then, you guys know that I love you, and I will always, always see you.